I so enjoyed praying with the group out on the hall. We sat on the floor. <laughs> I sat on the floor. And at my age, that's not no certain you're going to get up. <laughs> but the Spirit and their prayers uh, led me to recognize that what the Lord had been speaking to me about for tonight was right on cue. And I want to teach you a song right now. Um, it's very simple. I so enjoyed your worship, the energy, and your sincerity. But the Holy Spirit's here tonight. The Father and the Son have sent him. And we honor them all. And we're going to sing a song to the Father. It comes from Romans 8, chapter, uh, verse 15. Chapter 8, verse 15, talks about the adoption of sons and daughters. Now, here's what we're going to do. I'm not certain everything that we're going to do tonight because I'm flowing with you. I'm flowing with you. And I've had a lot of experience with this. I don't mean to be bragging. I'm only saying, you see my gray hair. I'm 79. And at this age, life is so fragile, I don't even buy green bananas. <clears throat> in, in two weeks, in two weeks, my wife, Dolly, she would love to be here, but she doesn't like to drive at night now, and we live 45 miles away. So she would have had to have driven in the dark to get here. I've been here all day because I'm one of the missions pastor at the church here at Capitol. I want to teach you this song, and after we've sung it once or twice, I'm going to just have you stay seated. And then we're going to do something that first chapter of Corinthians talks about. The Apostle Paul says, I will pray with my mind and I will pray with my spirit. That's what charismatics mean by glossolalia. That's the fancy name for other tongues. How many of you here have been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you know what I'm talking about? Okay, that's about 40% uh, of you. How long has it been since you worshiped God in the prayer language that he gave you? I would like to think that you did that at least once a week. It's not for demonstration. In fact, glossolalia is like water. When you're baptized in water, you don't seek to get wet. It's the consequence of, of being baptized. If you came to me and said, Pastor, I want you to baptize me in water, but I don't want to get wet. I said, it's not possible. 
Getting wet is the consequence of being baptized in water. And glossolalia is not the goal. We don't seek tongues. We seek the giver. I can baptize you in water, but only Jesus can baptize you in the Holy Spirit. This is biblical. Look it up. I can baptize you in water. I cannot baptize you in the Holy Spirit. It takes a work of your will called volition. Your will. So, I'm going to teach you this song. We're going to sing it until you're comfortable with the melody, and then we're going to abandon that melody, and we're going to sing in the Spirit. I'm led to do this tonight. Some of you may have never done this. You will find this is one of the most beautiful experiences you have ever had. Now, I want to tell you, some of you have been wanting to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I find many people that I counsel and help to come into the fullness of the Spirit find it's easy for them the first time. What have we been singing? Break out. Spirit, break out. Break my walls down. This is, this is what it's about. And I'm saying, some of you, if you will, sincerely, you will find you will be able to let the Holy Spirit speak through you as he gives utterance while you sing. And you'll hear all kinds of melodies, but they are not competing melodies. When you sing in the Spirit, there are many different melodies, but they all are in harmony with each other. Some of you are going to be amazed when you hear some of your colleagues sing in the Spirit. All right, here we go. Just let me sing the first time, and then some of you have already learned it in the prayer room, and on the second time, I want you to help me through, and by that time, I'll ask all of you to join. It's like this. Oh, the Spirit in my heart cries, Abba. Abba, oh, the Spirit in my heart cries, Abba. Abba, oh, the Spirit in my heart cries, Abba. Abba, Father, I love you. Can you feel him? Can you feel him? This, is, this song came when I was dialoguing with Rome. For 10 years, I've dialogued with Roman Catholics. Pope John Paul II, who was Pope for 27 years, wants to dialogue with Charismatics and Pentecostals. 80% of the people who leave the Catholic Church become a Pentecostal because Charismatics and Pentecostals believe in the supernatural. The Catholic Church has always believed in the supernatural. So for whatever reason, some people leave, like I say, 80% of them become charismatic because most Protestants have left believing in miracles. 
They're called cessationists. Cessationists from the word cease. They believe that all the miracles ceased once we had the canon of scriptures. We don't need miracles. But about a hundred years ago, God broke out of that. God broke out of that mold and again poured out his Holy Spirit. And many of you have, are the recipients of this wonderful experience. What's it for? To make me look better? To make me say I am better? Pentecostals and Charismatics are not better people. They are more equipped to do what Jesus said. And it's registered in Acts 1.8. For you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you to be my... To be my... This is the only reason it's for, is to equip us. Now, do you know that wonderful people, Baptists, Methodists, many Presbyterians, Congregationalists, Nazarene, none of those people are people of the Spirit. They're growing. The evangelical world is growing at about 1.8%, a little bit less than 2% a year. But the people of the Spirit are growing four times faster. 8% a year. Do you know that this group now has reached over 700 million. It's estimated that in 20 years, the people of the Spirit, the number will surpass the Roman Catholic Church in the world. And right inside the Roman Catholic Church, 15% of Roman Catholics today are glossolalic. There are charismatic Roman Catholic people all over the world. Well, this song I'm going to sing came out of the Roman Catholic Pentecostal dialogue. <clears throat> Here I go. Let's do, those of you who join with me in the prayer room, come, uh, come, let's do it. Oh, the Spirit in my heart cries, Abba, Abba, oh, the Spirit in my heart cries, Abba, Abba, oh, the Spirit in my heart cries, Abba, Abba, Father, I love you. Everybody join it. You can sing it now. Oh, the Spirit in my heart cries, Abba, Abba. Oh, the Spirit in my heart cries, Abba, Abba. Oh, the Spirit in my heart cries, Abba, Abba, Father, I love you. Now let it get in your soul. Let it get in your spirit. We're going to sing it in English once more. 
Oh, the Spirit in my heart cries, Abba, Abba. Oh, the Spirit in my heart cries, Abba, Abba. Oh, the Spirit in my heart cries, Abba, Abba. Father, I love you. Okay, now we don't want the piano. Thank you for trying to help us because you're not going to know where the Holy Spirit's going. You may be filled with the Spirit, but they're going to go in 15 directions. Okay, and, and, the, and the, the piano will not allow us the freedom. Now, we're going to sing it one last time. And when we get done, I'm going to break into singing in tongues, singing glossolalic. And I'm inviting everyone who has this experience to join me very quietly, very carefully, but distinctly. Here we go. Oh, the Spirit in my heart cries, Abba. Abba, oh, the Spirit in my heart cries, Abba, Abba. Oh, the Spirit in my heart cries, Abba, Abba. Father, I love you. Take your liberty. All right, stop. Stop now. Some of you, you say, wow, these people are crazy. <laughs> That's what the enemy says. The enemy, will he'll camp right here on your shoulder. And he'll say, don't do that. That's gobbledygook. That's barnyard cackle. He'll say all kinds of things to you. The last thing he wants you to do is to allow the spirit to break down your walls of resistance and pride. Yes. We're going to do it again. We're going to sing again. Some of you are now are starting, are starting to have a little more liberty. I didn't plan this. I didn't plan this tonight. Oh, you should see. I've got wonderful notes up here. And we might get into a little bit of this, and then we're going to leave it open for you to ask questions. But while we still have this wonderful spirit of worship, we're just continuing that. All right? We'll start again in English because it's easy to go from the language you know. Some of you have got your arms crossed. 
Try to uncross them because this means I don't want anything to do with this. Okay? This is, this is the position of resistance. You may not even know this is what you're doing. But this is the position of resistance. It might even be good if you raise your antennae when we get to this part of the spirit because this says to God, I'm open to you. Don't worry. There are some Baptists and Nazarenes who will say, be careful, you'll get something you didn't want. <laughs> now, my Bible doesn't say that. My Bible says, you fathers being evil know how to give gifts, good gifts to your children. How much more will the Holy Spirit give you the Holy Spirit? Okay, how much more will God give you the Holy Spirit? This is the devil's lie to keep you from his fullness. Oh, the spirit in my heart cries, Abba. Abba, oh, the spirit in my heart cries, Abba. Abba, oh, the spirit in my heart cries, Abba. Abba, Father, I love you. Karatasihiliaram parapasihiliaraliliamba. Karatasihiliaramba. 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 Hallelujah, Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for your openness. You look good. You look good. Now, there are some of you who have just said in your heart, that was not correct to do because whenever tongues is spoken in public, it must be interpreted. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> whenever one individual gains the whole attention of an audience, that tongue must be interpreted. Now I'm going to give you the six functions of tongues. One, they're all the same in essence, but there are six functions of tongues. I'm going to talk to you about this book in a minute. I hate selling books, but I wrote it. <laughs> I wrote it to be utilized. I'll talk to you about it. There's a few books back there. I'll be proud, you will enjoy it, really. Eight years to write, I'm quoting 400 different authors. It's quite an academic book, it's made for seminaries. 
And you have to write academically, because in a seminary you earn a master's, master of divinity, or a doctor's degree. And so the book has to be academic. But it's easy. I'm going to give you the, here's number one, for the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's what everybody expects. That's what everybody has heard. A lot of people have been taught totally against it. Okay? Number two, for personal edification, in other words, private prayer language. Personally, private prayer language in your prayer closet, all by yourself, in your daily worship, when you break into tongues, because English isn't enough, or Spanish, or German, or Dutch, or French. I speak four languages. I teach in four languages. In two weeks, my wife and I will go to Burkina Faso, where we started our missionary career 54 years ago, before most of you were born. We learned French first, because it's a former French colony in Africa. There are 44 countries in Africa. Excuse me, 54 countries in Africa. About 16 of them, French is the official language. And then I learned two African vernaculars, the Maori language, and in two weeks I'll be ministering not in English, but in either French or Maori, or both, depending on the occasion, we'll be ministering to 3,000 women. Most of them are pastors' wives. You see, I come with a bias. When Dolly and I went to Burkina Faso in 1960, there were already 11,000 believers. And while we were there, God poured out a mighty Holy Spirit revival where 2,000 people received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in a 90-day period. Now remember, what is this for? To get puffed up and say, I'm better than you because I'm Pentecostal or charismatic? No, 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 no. Jesus told us what it's for. You'll receive power to be my witnesses. And these 2,000 people went out and won 3,500 people to Jesus in the same period of time. That revival has never stopped. We're going to a church today that has a million 300,000 believers. One out of every nine people in Burkina Faso is a spirit-filled believer. You can't, you believe that changed my life? Huh? You believe that impacted my life? I didn't bring the revival. I was just thankful that God let me be in on it. Okay? Three, for personal edification in church, public, but communal. That's what you just did. If you sang in tongues, you fulfilled the third function of glossolalia. You were privately singing in tongues in public. Does not need to be interpreted. 
your tongue did not get the whole congregation's attention. Okay? You've got your private prayer language in your prayer closet. And it's much like this, but this is your private prayer language in public. When out of 150 of you, maybe 40 or 45 of you sang in tongues. Bless you. I hope, I hope that's an example for you that you need to exercise this gift. I'll talk about that in a minute. Four, for the acceleration of prayer, Romans 8, 25. Groanings that cannot be uttered talks about when you're praying, you are so burdened about something that English isn't enough or whatever your mother tongue is, it isn't enough and you break into the spirit praying through you. You become his instrument. It's an acceleration of your mother tongue when your mother tongue is not enough. Five, for a sign Understood by the spectator, not the speaker. A language understood by, the, by a spectator, but not the speaker. Some of you have never spoken in tongues because you don't understand it. You don't want to speak a language you don't understand, but you can't speak in tongues and understand it. It isn't tongues if you understand it. If you understand it, it's a language you've learned. You will never speak in tongues in a language you, you're, you, you've learned. I've just spoken to you in an African language. Now I'll speak to you in French. S'il y a quelqu'un ici qui comprend la langue française, levez la main. Voilà, il y a quelqu'un qui me comprend. I just asked, if you're here and you understand French, raise your hand, and she did. Where are you from? I'm from Kenya, but I only know a little bit. Oh, but you understood enough. You're from Kenya, okay. You will not speak in tongues in a language you know. God does it on purpose. Oh, you'll have to read the book to find out why. <laughs> why, we haven't got time. I generally, I generally teach this book in at least eight weeks. Okay. Now, let me read something to you. Amazing. 127, Tar. I'm talking to myself. What did I say? This is, this is for a sign. Understood by some spectator, but not the speaker. And we find this in Acts 2, 8. We find this in 1 Corinthians 14, 22 to 24. Here's a true story. In a full gospel church in Oregon, there was a young man who had married a Japanese girl while stationed in Japan with the armed forces. The young couple returned to the United States and were doing well, except that the young lady flatly resisted her husband's Christian faith and held steadfastly to her Buddhism. One night, after the evening service, the couple is at the altar, he praying to God through Jesus Christ, and she praying her Buddhist prayers. Next to them was kneeling a middle-aged woman, a housewife from the community. 
as this woman began to pray out loud in tongues at the altar, suddenly the Japanese bride seized her husband's arm. Listen, she whispered in excitement. This woman speak to me in Japanese. She said to me, you have tried Buddha and he does you no good. Why don't you try Jesus Christ? She does not speak to me in ordinary Japanese language. She speak temple language. And she used my whole name that no one in this country knows. <laughs> it's not surprising that the young lady became a Christian. This has happened to my, in my hearing twice. I've heard people speak in tongues for the first time, speak a language they didn't know, but one that I knew. Once English and once French. And afterwards I asked, I went to this person and asked something in English. They didn't know one word. They had never been in an English-speaking country. Same as in the, when this happened in French. It happened in the church about two years ago when we had a service praying for people who were seeking the infilling of the Holy Spirit. One man was from Tennessee. No, West Virginia. A church of snake handlers. Now, one of the sad things are there are a lot of Pentecostals who are wacky, <laughs> who are crazy. They're not biblical. They're excessive. They've taken literally the verse, if you handle a snake, well, they bring the snake to church. And these people, they climb the walls. And they make all of us look bad. Okay? I'm just telling you, there are many people who go by the name Pentecostal that are off base. <laughs> and he had married a Korean lady. And they both came. She wanted to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. He had heard about it all his life because he grew up in this, this Pentecostal church that was half wacky. And he didn't want anything to do with it, but he, he came with her. They sat together. Remember, a Korean wife, an Anglo man from West Virginia. One of my helpers that went with me and accompanied my wife and I to pray with people who were seeking the infilling of the Holy Spirit, came over to pray for her and began to speak in Korean. She does not know Korean. She does not know one word of Korean. But why did God do that? Because when this Korean lady heard this lady who's an Anglo-American who does not know Korean speak Korean, all of a sudden she opened up her heart. And God filled her with the filling of the Holy Spirit. And initially, she began to speak the language, the prayer language that God wants us all to have. And when her husband heard that this woman spoke in Korean to help her, all of a sudden, he opened up his heart. And in five minutes, he was experiencing glossolalia himself. This happened right here in this church just a few months ago. So this is what number five is, for a sign. I don't know if you've written that. Yes, for a sign. You've got it. Oh, my goodness. Perfect. Who's doing this? Are you doing this, Eric? Oh, wonderful. Oh, bless you. Oh, these, these IT people. 
you are so far ahead of me. I desperately need people like you. Number six, for a manifestation of the gift in the church. Needing interpretation. For a manifestation of the gift in the church, needing interpretation. Now, there are scriptures for all of these, and I didn't take the time to give those to you, but you will find them in the book. I'm going to just talk about the book and get it over with. Eric, I have one for you. I've inscribed it for you. Thank Bless you. you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you very much. Good. He wanted to buy one. I said, don't buy one. I have one up there for you. Now, it costs $20. If you're in school, you'll know that an academic book with 400 authors will cost you $60, okay, or $45. So this is really the cost that it costs. It costs over $20,000 to, to develop. I didn't have to pay much of that. The publisher and the missions department has, have helped me. But they're back here. Now, you can get one on Kindle for half that price, on Amazon Kindle. Or you can go to my website and buy one through PayPal if you want to buy one with a credit card. www.deltar.net. Not com, dot net. www.deltar.net. When you go to my website, you'll find Incredible miracles from Ethiopia. My wife and I have just spent 27 months in Ethiopia. There are two instances where people were raised from the dead. I, I, have, I have verified this. I have verified this. I don't put anything in a book I don't verify. Incredible. You will, you will read of miracles from Ethiopia where Muslims, Jesus appears to them in the middle of the night. Almost the same thing. Thousands of Muslims would come to Jesus because he comes into their bedroom in the middle of the night. There's a light so bright that light comes out of the keyhole and lights up the whole hall. And the family says, whatever happened to you in the morning, Papa comes out. And he's a changed man. And he says, Jesus came to me in the middle of the night and he said two words, follow me. You'll read about some of these miracles from Ethiopia. God is doing great things in Ethiopia. If you go to the website, you'll find that. Okay, I'm not going to talk about, I don't really like to sell books, but I want you to have a book. How, how can you do it without, I talk, without me talking about it? I'm hoping as you're getting some questions ready, because in about 15 or 20 minutes, I'm going to turn it open, and then we're going to have prayer up here at the altar, too. The prayer team will come up. There are some people I know God has prepared, even this old man, to talk about something to open your heart. Some of you are opening your hearts to Jesus. You've never made him your Lord. You're here. I know this. You've never given, you never made him the master of your life. All of these things are connected. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit draws you 
to Jesus who gave his life for you. I'm hoping that some of you will come up and pray with the prayer team and pray the sinner's prayer. Others may want to come up and pray about God opening up your heart so you can finally release yourself and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Remember, Holy Spirit baptized people are not better. They are just better prepared to do what? To witness. To witness. Pass this out, please. If you have the handout, I want to talk about God's signs, old and new. There's something rather humorous right at the beginning, and I didn't want you to have it and have it early, because then you wouldn't be paying attention to the worship service, okay? God's signs, old and new, why do they seem so really weird? God made a covenant with Abraham and used a visible, painful sign. Wow! Did he ever? The sign of the covenant was circumcision. Quote, this is my covenant with you and your descendants after you. The covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between you and me, Genesis 17, not just for Abraham, but for all his male descendants. The blessing to follow was also for all who accepted this seemingly ridiculous sign. Can you hear the conversation? God, I'm going to bless you, Abe, and all who follow this covenant, Abraham. Wow, God, that's swell. How can I ever thank you? That makes me and my family special, real special. So what's the sign of this blessing? And God says, whispering in Abraham's ear, circumcision. <laughs> and Abe responds, what's that? God explains, it's where you take a sharp knife and you get ready. Hold real still and you, and Abraham says, you've got to be kidding. And he grabs his groin with two hands and grasps in horror. God, what about a, what about a tattoo instead? Can you imagine the long explaining and persuasion Abraham had to do actually to get the consent of all his male household to accept this bloody, painful, disabling, unreasonable thing? Why did God choose this sign? Many wonder even to this day. However, medical science has found a very good reason for it. <coughs> I won't go into it, but there's a great scientific reason. And God chose the cross as the requirement for sin for his only begotten son. That choice made Jesus the one stricken, smitten of God in the eyes of pious Jews. Isaiah 53, I gotta get me some water. <coughs> Excuse me. It's true to this very day. Messiah crucified is an oxymoron for a Jew. Does everybody here know the word oxymoron? It's like, the, it's like military intelligence. Or it, it's like airline food. Okay, that's an oxymoron, airline food. If you ever, if you ever written coach and you get food today, it's not food. 
I'm on the airlines all the time, I know. And Jesus chose the symbol of his blood and flesh as symbols of the Eucharist. Eucharist is a fancy name for communion or the Lord's table or the Lord's supper. That made quite a splash among many followers who forever rejected him and walked away. Read John 6, 53 to 66. You'll see how many people left Jesus. One of the reasons, the pious Jew had a violent taboo against consuming blood. Surely God knew about that since he set the rules himself in Leviticus. And God chose glossolalia, tongue speech, as the symbol of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And only eternity will reveal all the reasons for that seemingly ridiculous choice. We have good brothers and sisters in the faith who simply can't understand this seeming foolishness. This is why the title of the book is The Foolishness of God. Okay? The Foolishness of God. It comes from 1 Corinthians 1, 25. The foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of men. That's the title of the book. We have good brothers and sisters in the faith who simply can't understand this seeming foolishness. In spirit baptism, one doesn't get more of the Holy Spirit at salvation. This is the accusation. But the people who do not believe in the Spirit today, this is the accusation of the people who don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. This is the accusation of the people who believe that all miracles have ceased. Remember I said we call them cessationists. They're not our enemies. They're our brothers and sisters in the body. They know Jesus. They've been born again. They say, you Pentecostals, we know that the Holy Spirit is the agent in salvation. Scripture is clear. And you're trying to tell us that you have more of the Holy Spirit than we do? They've got it upside down. No. Not we have more of the Holy Spirit. He has more of us. That's the truth. And what does God want? More of you. You were singing about it. It appeared up on the screen. All right? Keep it straight. You don't get more of the Holy Spirit when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. He gets more of you. Why? Because when he has us, when he owns us, we become missionary. No group in history has ever been more missionary than Charismatics and Pentecostals. Don't even come close. Look at the statistics. You can't be a true Pentecostal and not be missionary. I don't mean have to become a missionary. I mean have an incredible desire to see people come to Jesus. So either you're going to go or you're going to help somebody go. And the statistics are phenomenal. Pentecostals give about four times more to missions than any other denomination. And there are many Pentecostal denominations. Okay? And that's one of the reasons... This group of people are growing four times faster than other born-again believers. The Holy Spirit gets you. And that's what he wants. 
He wants to have more of you and me. And the simple sign of that is you get another language. You don't understand it. But when you speak it, the Holy Spirit is speaking it for you. And God understands it. And I have a seeking, sneaking suspicion that the devil doesn't understand it. I know he understands English and French and Mori and Eve, the fourth language I know. I know he understands your language. I don't think he understands glossolalia. I don't have any proof of this. I just think it's true. God has... He's a God of weird signs. No. Find truth. The above rather humorous vignette is viewing through the lens of North American reason. There are some cultures in the world where some or all of the above is not as unreasonable at all. Remember, meaning is perception. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1.25. Now, I have to tell you the truth. I am also a professor of non-verbal communications. Most of you are following along very nice, but some of you are getting even a little angry at me. See, remember, I can read non-verbals. I'm not looking at anybody now. You'll notice. So I don't want anybody else to get ideas. But I can tell the way some of you are looking at me that you think I am full of baloney. You might even think I'm of the devil. That's one of the accusations of the people who have resisted the work of the Holy Spirit in the world. I'm asking you, join us. I'm not talking about a denomination. I do, I'm assemblies of God, but I do not get the assemblies of God and the kingdom of God mixed up. You get it? God uses our movement as he uses any movement. This is a human institution, but God uses human instrumentality that is willing to be pliable and useful in his business. couple more points, then I'm going to go to questions. I bring your attention to 1 Corinthians 14, chapter, uh, 14th chapter, verse 4. One of the big reasons why God has chosen this seeming foolish way is because the Holy Spirit says through the Apostle Paul, That when you exercise your prayer language, you edify yourself. Now, that's, that's not to be taken pridefully. There's no pride involved. It's talking about self-esteem. Here's why. When you allow God, when you give him what he wants in surrender, and you have to surrender your mother tongue to be able to speak in tongues. Some people resist that with all of their might. It's because of our programming in the West. We are scientific, analytical people. 
And the more analytical you are, the harder it's going to be for you to give that up so that the Holy Spirit can speak through you straight to God. Okay? Pay attention. When I let the Spirit speak through me, I know I'm not doing it myself. Now, for those of you who want this book, I know it's not for everybody. But if you're really interested in learning more about the Holy Spirit, go to the end where I talk about what tongues is not. I've got 10 things in there that are pseudo-tongues. I'm not afraid to talk about the crazies. We don't have time for the crazies. That's fleshly. That's carnal. And you'll find that when glossolalia or your prayer language is real, it builds you up. Why? Because you say, I'm not doing this, so God has my address. He knows who I am. He can use me. If that isn't self Edifying, what is? Many of you suffer from the idea, God can't use me, I've been too sinful, I still have some sin in my life, I'm not perfect. A lot of people don't think they can be a witness until they're perfect. This is a devil's lie. And you know it. But in spite of your imperfection, when God speaks through you, it edifies you. And you say, I, maybe he can use me. I'm going to believe him to use me to pray for somebody who is sick. I'm going to let him use me to pray for someone who's under drug addiction or under the bondage of pornography or living in sin. That's what he wants. He wants to make you an instrument, and it's called, in theological terms, the incarnational method. What does the incarnation mean? Well, 44 different writers wrote this book. God could have written it himself with his own finger, just like he did the Ten Commandments. But he chose not to. Why? Because he wants a partnership. And we can recognize the personality of every individual writer in this book. Because God says, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to risk using you as an instrument. I want a partnership. God doesn't need a partnership. He wants a partnership. Everybody say that. God doesn't need a partner. He wants a partnership. Once more. God doesn't need a partnership. He wants a partnership. This is the incarnation. God and man in Jesus. Oh, we'll never get that place. But the model of it is what God wants. And this is what he does with the gifts of the Spirit. Remember, glossolalia is only the foolish sign in man's reason why he because you need it. When I am baptized in the water, 
I come out wet. And everybody who watched that said, oh, he got wet. That's public observance. And this is why God chose something that when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, anybody who's watching may know you were. See, without that outward sign, you could say, oh, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And somebody says, I don't know that. But when they see you baptized in the Holy Spirit, they'll know. Glossolalia is the Holy Spirit's water. Okay? It's an external sign of proof. It's a witness to the world. And God knows we need it. We need that external sign, symbol. The incarnational aspect of the gifts of the Spirit is God's Spirit using me. God's Spirit in conjunction with who I am as a vessel, as an instrument. That's what he wants. It's related to God's restraint. And now I'm going to be done in one minute with this word restraint. The best way I can talk about restraint is what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden and what happened to Jesus in the temptation in the desert. Satan won Adam and Eve, made in the image of God, what does the Bible say? Let's make man in our image. That does not mean a nose and two eyes and two ears. No, that means with the capacity to create. No other animal or creature has this capacity. We're the only ones with souls that are going to live eternally, either damnation or glorification. But God restrains himself and does not force us to either confess our sins and make him Lord or humiliate ourselves and let this crazy weird language come from here. Jesus says it comes from here out of the innermost being and he's talking of the Holy Spirit in the next verse. Glossolalia doesn't come from here. You don't select and sort. And there's a whole chapter on communications theory and how I tie communication. This is where my PhD is in the University of Minnesota. Cross-cultural communications and cultural anthropology. And I draw on communications theory to show the first time, to my knowledge, of anybody who's ever written about glossolalia inside the matrix. Hear that word? The matrix. The, the environment of communication theory. Now, God's restraint. Dolly, my wife, beautiful Scandinavian lady. We were married very young. 59 years this year. Oh, she's a, she's, no, no, no. She's incredible. Without her, I am nothing. She's only five foot two. And when I married her, she weighed 104 pounds. Now, I could take a bullwhip and say, Dolly, love me. No. Whoop! 
Dolly, love me. Oh, oh, no, no, no. Whop. Oh, no, no. Whop. Okay, okay, okay. Is that love? That's not love. And this is what Satan wants to do with you. He wants to force your belief in him, in the world. And God says, I'm not going to have any part of that. Satan came to Adam and Eve, and he, he put this on them. Oh, God knows that if you eat this, you'll be like him. You'll have power. And they flunked the test, and we're all suffering for it if we believe the Bible. Satan came to Jesus. Satan wanted Jesus to leave his place of man's part and God's part. What God wants to do with you and me, the incarnational principle of the gifts of the Spirit, man's part and God's part. God doesn't need this. He wants it. Dolly's love is only worth something when she doesn't have to give it. Think about it. Dolly's love is only valuable when she is not forced to give it to me. And this is what God's restraint means. The enemy will force you. Islam, Islam is forcing belief. Right now, one of our Pentecostal preachers, you hear him on the news? They try to get him to deny Christ. He's been in prison eight months in Iran. He's one of ours. But he says, he writes his family, I will never deny Christ. Islam forces belief. It's a total thing of works. It's diabolical. Oh, don't worry. I'm too old to be politically correct. Don't get, me, don't get me into that slop. Word police, huh? I won't have it. What can they do to me now? Jesus wants to show restraint and let you decide. He stands by and weeps and is sorry when you don't choose him, when you don't go his way. Because he knows he conquers in weakness. Jesus conquers in weakness, the weakness of his restraint, that you will decide to let the Holy Spirit come and fill you so that you will receive more power than you will have ever had. Not to do your works, to do his work. When the Holy Spirit wants to own you, well, I'm going to stop. Prayer team, would you come, please? I want you to sing the song that I taught you. And if you're here for prayer for any reason, whatever it is, and there might be a hundred different reasons why you might need prayer or want prayer, I just encourage you, come to the Father He's waiting you. Not me. I'm not the father. I'm old enough to be your father. I'm talking about the heavenly father. Come to the father. We're going to sing.
Oh, the spirit in my heart. Remember it? Oh, the spirit in my heart cries, Abba. Stand, please. Abba, oh, the spirit in my heart cries, Abba. Abba, come and pray. Oh, the spirit in my heart cries, Abba, Abba, Father, I love you. If you need prayer, come as we sing it. Oh, the spirit in my heart cries, Abba, Abba, oh, the spirit in my heart cries, Abba, Abba. That's right, come for any reason. Oh, the spirit in my heart cries, Abba, Abba, Father, I love you. Dear Jesus, I pray that you'll release people who know they should come because they have a need, but maybe they don't want to be seen. Give them the courage and the humility to come now. We need each other. As we sing this once again, Lord, I pray that those who need to come will come. Oh, the Spirit in my heart cries, Abba. Abba, oh, the Spirit in my heart cries Abba, Abba. Oh, the spirit in my heart cries Abba, Abba. Father, I love you. I'll be back to sign books if you want one. Don't feel intimidated. I'm a poor bookseller. Dear Jesus, I pray that you will help us. Bless those who have come. You know their needs. Bless those who are praying with them. Lord, bless those who should have come and still didn't have the courage to come, but you can meet them right there in their chair. Help them, dear Jesus, to reach out to you. Holy Spirit, come and minister. Dear Jesus, come and minister. Hallelujah.